0: Philippians is one of the happiest books in the Bible. You read, it's only four chapters, short little book. You read through there over 17 times the word joy, glad, enjoy, rejoice, happy, happiness, the various forms of those words, 17 times they're used in this little book. And what's amazing about the happiest book in the Bible is it was written by a guy who was in prison in Rome for preaching the Gospels. And Paul's writing back to the church in Philippi, that's why it's called Philippians, to thank them uh, for the support and for the encouragement. They had sent a financial gift to him, and he's writing to thank them for that. It's also one of the most personal books in the Bible. Paul just pours out his heart uh, to the Philippians. So we're going to have a good time in this book. But if you want your life to be full of joy, if you want to discover joy, where do you start? Paul starts with relationships. With relationships. Because it's impossible to be happy while your relationships are unhappy. Would you agree with that? I mean, you see people, they have everything. they got money, they've got fame, they've got a career, they've got nice stuff. But if their relationships are falling apart, they're unhappy. Because, uh, you know, bad relationships just suck the joy out of life. So Paul, when he starts talking about joy and happiness, he begins right off the bat talking about relationships. Now, in the first 11 verses of Philippians, I encourage you during this series to bring your Bible and just follow along. We're just going to take big chunks of Scripture and work through it. So if you've got your Bible today, open it up to Philippians chapter 1. If you've got your smartphone, open it up, get to your you version. bring your iPad, whatever you need to do. Roll out your scroll, Whatever, whatever you use. But in, uh, in the first 11 verses of Philippians, Paul models four relationship principles uh, for us. And he makes four statements that if you will develop them into habits, then you'll have happier, more joyful relationships. And these habits are easy to explain, they're easy to understand. In fact, I'm going to get done today and most of you are going to say, well, I already knew that. The question is not, do you know it? The question is, are you doing it? And that's my goal today, to motivate you to do it. So what are the habits? First thing Paul says, number one, on your outline, I must be grateful for the people in my life. Study after study have shown a link between gratitude and happiness. Now psychologists and sociologists, all they do is confirm what the Bible's already told us. Now, they do all this research and then come to the same conclusion that the Bible had. But they've come to the conclusion that the more gratitude you have, the happier you are. The more ungrateful you are, the more unhappy you are. There is a link between gratitude and joy. Good relationships start with the attitude of gratitude. In Philippians 1.3, Paul starts off this very first thing. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Paul says, I remember the good things about you. I focus on the good times that we've had. And that simple truth right there can change your relationships. When you stop remembering why you got married in the first place, when you stop remembering what it was that attracted you to the person, when you stop remembering the good times that you've had, that's when the marriage starts to crumble. That's when the relationships go downhill. Paul says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God for you. So let me ask you, and just be real honest with yourself, when you think of the people in your life, is your first response an attitude of gratitude? Or is it, well, this is what I got a problem with, or this is what they did wrong, or this is where they fall short, or this is where they disappointed me? See, often our first thought is not gratitude. Because the longer you know someone, the more you take them for granted. The longer you know someone, the more wounds there are. The more you know their faults. It's easier to remember the bad times than it is to remember the good times. The greater the misery, the greater the memory. That, that's the line I use with camping. <laughs> I mean, you got all these people out camping this weekend. They're going to come back to work on Tuesday morning, and the people where it was sunny and it was pleasant and everybody had, they won't even talk about that. But you get the guy whose tent was washed away in a flood and everybody's got poison ivy, he'll tell you about that trip for years. Because the greater the misery, the greater the memory. Okay? And unfortunately, that's the way it works in our relationships. It's easier for us to remember the bad things than it is to remember the good things. But Paul says, every time I think of you, I give thanks. And so we, you just got to develop the attitude of gratitude. And if you do that, it will change your relationships. But we are not by nature grateful people. Parents, did you have to teach your kids to say thank you? Or did they just show up saying thank you for it? No, you have to teach gratitude. We have to learn gratitude. Philippians 1.5, Paul says it again. I thank God for the help that you gave me. In Acts 16, we have the story of the apostle Paul starting the church in Philippi. I'd encourage you to read it. Uh, go to Acts 16, start in verse 11, read to the end of the chapter. And it'll tell you the story of Paul showing up in the town of Philippi. He meets a businesswoman named Lydia. And leads her to the Lord. And then Lydia opens up her home, and she and Paul start this church. All these people start becoming believers, and they start meeting there at Lydia's house. And that's how the church got started. And Paul says, from the very first day, you welcomed us. And several times over Paul's missionary journeys, his travels, the Philippian church funded his missionary trips. And in fact, uh, the reason for this letter is while Paul is in jail, the Philippians had sent some money to meet his needs there in Rome, and a guy named Epaphroditus almost died bringing the money to Paul to help him. And now Paul's sending Epaphroditus back to Philippi with this thank you letter, this statement of gratitude to the church in Philippi. You've got to remember with gratitude what people do in your life. Who have you forgotten that has done acts of service and help in your life? Because the longer you know people, the more you take them for granted. The longer you know people, the more you can focus on all the disappointments. Now, Paul didn't have a great time in Philippi. You read through Acts. In Philippi, Paul was falsely accused. He was arrested, beaten, whipped, thrown in jail, put in stocks, endured an earthquake, run out of town. And yet when he thinks about Philippi, every time I think about it, I thank God for you because he chose to remember the good things not dwell on the painful things so what are the painful memories that you are holding on to with people in your life you've never let them off the hook you know, you can't enjoy the relationship if you're holding on to the pain memories are a choice you choose what to remember and you can choose to hold on to the painful memories but if you do it'll cost you your joy It'll cost you your joy. And Paul had a lot of reasons to have painful memories of Philippi, but he chose to be grateful and to thank God for those people. Write this down on your your outline. Remember the best and forget the rest. If you want to discover joy, remember the best, forget the rest. Selective memory. Have an attitude of gratitude, and it'll transform your relationships. Second habit. You want to pray joyfully for the people in my life. You know, Paul's praying for these people. How cool would it be to have the Apostle Paul, a guy who wrote half the New Testament, praying for you? I mean, aren't you encouraged when you find out that people are praying for you? Yeah, we all are. Paul says in verse 4, I always pray for you, and I make my request with a heart full of joy. I want you, right now, just, just think of someone who irritates you. Think of some, don't look at them, just think of someone. Yeah, just eyes front. And uh, although some of you can't look at me, Um, whatever, divert your eyes. But anyway, think of somebody that that irritates you, somebody you've got a strained relationship with, someone who rubs you the wrong way. Do you pray for that person or do you just complain and grumble and nag and nitpick? If you'd pray more for them, you'd have a lot less to complain about because does nagging work? No, no. Does prayer work? yes so why do we spend so much time doing what doesn't work instead of doing what does work you know paul says i always pray for you and you need to pray for the people in your life he says i pray for you making requests with a heart full of joy when you do pray for those people do you pray with joy or instead of nagging on the person you just start nagging on god about the person See, positive praying is more effective than negative nagging. Whether you're nagging the person or you're nagging God about the person. On your outline, quickest way to change a bad relationship to a good one is to start praying for them. If you start praying for them, it will change you and it can change them. So what do I pray? I'd encourage you to pray the prayer that Paul prayed in verses 9 through 11. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. And you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I mean, Paul gives us four things to pray about, four things you can pray about for your spouse, for your kids, for your boss, co-workers, anybody you care about. First, pray they will grow in love, that your love will grow more and more. Number two, pray they will make wise choices, that you will fully know and understand how to make the right choices. And wouldn't your relationships be easier if the people you were in relationship with made right choices? Well, pray to that end. Pray they will live with integrity. I pray that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. And fourth, you pray that they will become like Jesus, that they'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, circle the word fruit there. You know, what, what fruit is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, in Galatians 5, Paul lists out the fruit of the Spirit for us. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, he just paints this picture of Jesus Christ. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It, It describes what Jesus Christ is like, and God's goal is for us to become like Christ. And that's why you want to pray for the people in your life, to become like Christ. Now, there's your prayer agenda right there for your spouse, for your kids, for everybody. Just, you can pray that for me. You can pray that for me any day of the week. Pray I'll grow in love, that I'll make wise decisions, live with integrity, become more and more like Christ. Now let me tell you why you can pray that prayer with joy. Because that prayer will be answered. You pray that prayer, it'll be answered. Why? Because it's not just wishful thinking that you're mustering up out of your own flesh. You are praying the will of God. For people this is God's will and so you can pray joyfully but God will answer it number three third goal I must expect the best from people in my life we don't normally expect the best because quite frankly we've all got track records I do you do we all do people in our lives do we tend to expect the worst because that's often what happens but Paul says no make a habit of believing in people rather than criticizing them Expect the best. Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this, that God, who began a good work in you, will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Circle the word confident. Paul says, I'm expecting the best from you and for you. He says, I'm expecting the best. I am confident. And Paul was a pro at bringing out the best in people. And it wasn't just that he placed high expectations on them that they had to rise to meet. No, he he did three things, three things. Number one, if you're going to bring out the best in somebody, you need to believe in people. Paul says, I am confident, and it gave them confidence. Do you give the people in your life confidence by believing in them, or are you just always tearing them down? You know, that's what God does with you. Even when you stumble, God builds you up. God wants you to do that with people in your life, even when they stumble. Paul says, I believe in people. I give them confidence. I help them grow. We've got to believe in people. If you're going to change people, you've got to believe in them. You've got to believe in yourself if you're going to change. Write this down just somewhere on your outline. Affirmation precedes transformation. Affirmation precedes transformation. If you want to make changes in your life, if you want somebody else to to make changes in their life, you you need to believe in them. You need to give them affirmation. You know, people will say, "Uh, I just tell it like it is. They'll just say that proudly. I just tell it like it is. Well, thanks. That's no help. You just tell it like it is. All you're doing is locking people into the status quo. All you're doing is locking them in into the struggle. The goal isn't just to tell people like it is. We all know what it is. Tell me what it can be. That's what Paul did. He gave people vision. And his vision was, keep growing. You can keep growing. God will com- God's not going to get you halfway out there and stop. God will bring you to completion. And he, he gave people a vision. He painted a picture of the future. Study after study shows we tend to live up to the expectations of other people. When other people expect the best from you, you give your best. See that in education all the time. When teachers expect the best from their students, the students perform better than when a teacher expects less from them. You just kind of rise to the level of expectation. We tend to become what we believe the most important person in our life thinks of us. We tend to become what the most important person in our life thinks of us. And so Paul says, I expect the best from people. I believe in people. I give people vision. Third thing he does, he's patient with people's progress. Now that is so important to your joy and your happiness. Because if you insist on perfection from people, you are never going to be happy. Never, because nobody's perfect, not even you. And if you're always expecting perfection from people, you're not going to be happy. Paul says you've got to be patient with people's progress. Uh, On your outline, write this one down. You need to celebrate how far people have come rather than judging how far they have to go. Celebrate how far they've come rather than judging how far they have to go. God doesn't wait for you to be fully mature before he starts loving and celebrating you. And you need to do the same thing for other people. Now, the key to patience, the key to having patience with people is love and verse 7, Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart. Circle that phrase, in my heart. That's one of the real keys to happiness and joy, is you've got to have people in your heart. You know what I've discovered? If I don't have people in my heart, they get on my nerves. Okay, If I don't have them in my heart, they get on my nerves. And so if i got somebody who's irritating me, one of the first things I'll start doing is praying for that person because as soon as you, you get them uh, on your heart, in your heart, praying for them, then you become more patient with them. There's a connection between love and patience. But if I'm not praying for them, then, then, then I, can, I can get perturbed. They can be irritating. And so you just turn it around. That leads us to point number four in your outline. Number four, I must love people in my life like Jesus does i got to love them like Jesus does. Now, now this isn't a love that, that you try and bring up out of yourself. This isn't a love that comes from you. This is a love that flows out of Christ's love in your life. Look at, look at verse 8. Paul says, God is my witness that I tell the truth when I say that my deep love for you all comes from the heart of Christ Jesus himself. Paul says, I, I love you with a love that doesn't even come from me. This, this love comes out of Christ Jesus it's Christ's love overflowing to you. I, I love this verse because I can identify with this. You know, Paul started the Philippian church from scratch. I and mean, when Paul showed up, there was no church. He won those people to the Lord, started a church. Paul was the first member, he was the first pastor. I mean, that church existed because of, of Paul's efforts there. I can identify with that. Because that's true of Rockbrook. And you know, this is our 17th anniversary this weekend. Seventeen years ago, we started Rockbrook Church. Started a little group of 14 people, met at the park, and 92 people showed up. And, man, we've been on our way for 17 years. And I tell you, the the next 17 are going to be a rocket ride. I mean, I'm just so excited and so thankful for you and for this church family. And I love you guys, and I pray for you with joy. And I want you to know I am grateful for you. I do not want to take you for granted. And I want want you to live lives of integrity and pureness in a wicked and evil generation. And I believe that together we can become great things. And so the love of Christ just stirs up in us and pours out for one another. Great things are going to happen around here. Look at 1 John 3.16. 1 John 3.16. Let's read this out loud together. This is how we know what real love is. Christ gave his life for us. So then we ought to give our lives for others. You know, the the reference there, 1 John 3.16. Sounds like another verse. John 3.16. Same guy wrote both of them. John 3.16, we're all familiar with that. In fact, many of you, probably most of you could quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, that is a tremendous... Salvation is found in that verse. God loves you so much he gave his son Jesus Christ that if you will believe in him you don't face the fear and and the punishment of hell you face the joy and the wonderful experience of heaven. And if you have never responded to John 3.16 I would plead with you to respond to that verse believe in Jesus Christ so you can gain that everlasting life that he offers to you. You know, we're all grateful for God's love for us. But if you want to be happy, if you want your life to be full of joy, if you want to grow healthy relationships, you don't want to ignore 1 John 3.16. You don't want to ignore ignore this one. You know, this is real love. God sent His Son for us. We need to really love each other. And the problem is is that too many people who believe John 3.16 ignore 1 John 3.16 and it saps their life of their joy. So which of these four habits do you need to work on? Which one do you need to work on? Who do you need to be more grateful for? Who in your life have you taken for for granted, failed to appreciate? That's the first habit of happiness. I've got to be grateful for the people in my life. Second habit, are you praying for the people in your life with joy? Are you praying with joy, or are you just complaining, God, fix them, God, change them, God, let them inherit a million dollars so they'll move away out of my life. Now, I want to encourage you, make a prayer list, write down some names, and pray the four things that Paul prayed. Pray that they'll grow in love, pray they'll make wise decisions, pray they'll be a person of integrity, and pray that they'll become like Jesus Christ. And then watch God answer those prayers and change your relationships. Third habit, are you expecting the best out of people? Are you celebrating their progress or criticizing, judging their stumbling do you believe in them? Are you giving them a vision for their life? Are you patient with their progress? Number four, who do you need to start loving like Jesus does? When I hear people say, I, w- I would die for my, my family. I would lay down my life for my wife. I would lay down my life for my kids. And, and honestly, you, you probably would. But the question is, is not will you lay down your life? The question is, will you live out your life? See, that's harder. You know, you die for your kids, you get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. But if you're going to live out your life with them, you're stuck here with them. And that's harder. But if you're going to do that, it's going to come out of the love of Christ in your heart and your life. And that will increase your joy. Let's pray together. Maybe today you just need to pray, God, give me the grace to be grateful with the people in my life. Help me to remember the best and forget the rest. And in those bad relationships, those those relationships that may be irritating, there may be some tension, God, just help me to start praying for them with joy. To pray they grow in love, to pray they grow in integrity, that they become like Jesus Christ. They make wise decisions. Father, help me to develop the habit of expecting the best from people. Let it be my default to celebrate their progress rather than judge and criticize their faults. I want to believe in people. I want to build up their confidence. I want to be patient with them. Most of all, God, help me to love people like Jesus does. I can't do it in my strength, God. I need your love to flow through me. And maybe you're here today and you've never responded to John 3.16. You've never established that relationship with God that opens you up to all the power and grace that God offers you. Maybe today you need to just pause and say, God, I, I, I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me of all my sins. Clean me up. Give me a new life, an abundant life. Come into my life and give me the power. Give me the grace that I need to do the things that will bring joy into my relationships. God, we thank you for your promises. In Jesus' name, amen.